Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Mature Audiences Mayhem. My name is Glenn King and it is my great honor to bring you this podcast where we dare to go places that other podcasts do not dare to go. We talk about the things that are for mature audiences only. And before I get into it with this week's guest, I gotta make a major announcement. Major announcement. Here it is. I, Glenn King, made my pro wrestling debut this week on Impact Pro Wrestling. Oh, it's true. It is damn true. Go check it out. Uh, Impact Pro Wrestling is on the Access channel. That's the AXS channel. They did their first ever episode of their new show this week. And uh, they had a segment where wrestler Ace Austin, he just won the X Division title. And so he's telling them that all these new offers have come up since then. And and he invites them to come out to the set of his new movie. And uh, then they go out to see his new movie. And it turns out he's in a porn movie. And I played the porn director in the porn movie. So it's really cool. Go check it out. It's, uh, again, Access Television. It's Impact Pro Wrestling. And who knows? uh, Maybe this will lead to me getting a title shot or something, uh, other big opportunities as well. All right. Well, let's get into it with this week's show. Today, a very fun, special podcast. Normally, my podcasts are a little bit more structured. I kind of have a plan going in of questions that I want to ask. But today, I had a friend with me, an old friend uh, by the name of Julio Gonzalez, who is a comedian, and we just kind of got into it, and just it just got more off the rails as we went, and we just had a lot of fun. So I think you're going to love this podcast in a different way than you've, you've enjoyed some of our other podcasts. It's really funny stuff, so listen all the way through. Before I get into it with Julio, I just want to remind you about our Twitter, which is M-A-M Podcast and the number one, M-A-M Podcast one. A few weeks ago, we were at like four followers, and then after the next show, we were at 400 followers, and we're now at about 1,500 followers. But we still got a long way to go because I have 70,000 subscribers, and I need each and every one of you to become a follower of the podcast on Twitter. With that said, let's get right into it. Julio Gonzalez is a comedian who has headlined, not just performed, but headlined all over the world. You've seen him at places like John Lovett's Theater and at the Laugh Factory. He is really the funniest guy I know. He is the great Julio Gonzalez. Subway. Hey, Glenn, thank you so much for bringing me on, man. It's been a long time. I really appreciate it. Uh, You know, Julio... I don't miss anything about L.A. at all, except you, <laughs> except you, because uh, I haven't seen you perform in a long time, and I really used to enjoy coming out and seeing you do your thing, and, uh, you know, you just, you don't play Vegas. That's the problem here, but if you that, ever do. That is definitely the problem. That's the huge problem, but, I mean, you went to a lot of shows, right? Like, I would say the the, the either the improvs or the, or the Laugh Factories, even the... Um, did you ever go to Love It? Yes. I did see Love It. Love It. Yeah, the man. John Love It uh, place, yeah. At Universal. That was crazy. Uh, you got stiffed over there or something, right? Can you, can you say that on there? Oh, yeah, man. Nah, I'll talk about it. Yeah. What happened was they switched management, and the new management didn't pay me what the old management paid me. Uh-huh. So they didn't tell me there's a new price or nothing after the show was done and we had over 375 people out there after the show was done that's when they told me that so i never held it against the club it's new management sometimes that happens you know people get replaced but yeah it was a hassle and then once i got the check the check bounced oh my god <laughs> i had to go back i had to pay for parking just to get my other check <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> At least yeah, it wasn't right. actually like in the amusement park or something like that. Would have sucked, right? right? If you had to, <laughs> right. well, it's twenty six dollars for a day pass, sir. And uh, um, although I think parking is twenty six bucks <laughs> at that place anyway, so <laughs> could have, should have been, man. It was like ten, ten bucks or something, or twenty for the preferred. Yeah. Uh, can I just? I just want to explain to people before we just get into your bio about your comedy. So Julio has a routine. He does his routine. You know, he's got just like every comedian. But at some point during the night, 
he just starts messing with people in the audience and that just goes on yeah. further, further and it's like if you go to one of his shows if you're that guy that gets picked out i mean he he only picks out good sports anyway but like that's his thing is that every show of his is different because he's always going to find people from the audience to interact with and that's going to make you laugh is that yes. like when did that start cuz that's not something that a well, comedian does on his first day on the job it, it no no definitely not but i had i had the luxury of of having the same people come out to see me over and over and over again so i had to do something and i think that's what forced me to to go that way and i was always quick you know off the cuff so i had no problem talking to the front row and coming up with something or relating it to something that i already have as a joke which uh which is a good craft to do cuz when people think it's spontaneous and it's just happening like they love that oh yeah yeah, absolutely. And like I said, and it makes each show unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of like forced me, you know, that, that issue kind of forced me to become, you know, that sharp. Very cool. Well, let's just sort of go back to the beginning because I think one of the things that sort of amuses me about comedy is that everyone I know basically thinks that they're a stand-up comedian. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, you know what? Ready we, to go out on stage. As comics, we have this conversation, right? We we think there should be a time limit, you know, like a certain amount of years before you can use the title, you know. But now, <laughs> LA, you do an open mic for two weeks and you're a comic. That's it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone that goes to open mic is like, I killed it. I killed it out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, your mom was in the audience and, you know, like, wouldn't that be great, Julio, if you could just perform in an audience where your mom was cracking up every two minutes and then everyone was contagiously laughing? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the goal right there, to have everybody laughing. Not just even the people you know, everybody, but I see that all the time. They go up in the open mic, a couple people chuckle, and they're like, I killed it. The funny thing I always <laughs> say is, wow, you killed it without a standing ovation. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, um, so how did you get started in comedy? You know what? It's a funny story. Actually, I was working at a company with like 300 employees, and... We're having a Christmas party, and my boss comes up to me, and he's like, hey, I got a table full of women. You know, come sit over here. He sat me down, and I had these women laughing all night. A couple of them were actually uh, waitresses at a comedy club that I used to go to. And I used to go to comedy clubs almost religiously, like every weekend, because it would be so much fun. Like, you can't have a bad time laughing. I would go there, laugh my ass off, forget about all the bullshit that happened during the week. Yeah. So I always had that that I wanted to. And when you got a table of eight women telling you to do something, I don't know about you, but when gorgeous women tell me to do something, like I do it. And, and even with more motivation, <laughs> with more passion, I'm like, I got someone behind me now. <laughs> I'm the king of so, doing shit that gorgeous women tell me to do. That's all right, I freaking right. do in I knew my you life. Would, is... I knew you would relate. <laughs> so, yes. 100%. That's basically, that's basically, that's basically the only time I leave my house, Julio. If I, if I didn't have beautiful women <laughs> telling me what to do, I would sit in my house uh, um, just watching my little virtual reality thing, porn on there. And... <laughs> the struggle's real, Glenn. The struggle's real. <laughs> All right. So what was this company? What was your job at this company before you um... – so, This actually benefited me. My job at the time was to become an auditor. Yeah. So I would go to all the departments and make sure they're following the standards. And we had a standard that we had to follow. All the customers said, hey, you had to do this. And we worked on landing gears, right? So like airplanes and stuff. Oh, wow. Cool. And a lot of my first jokes came from that company. I have these these uh, uh, jokes that I kind of uh, made out of the stories that are from there and the realities that are from there. And I called it a stupid people at work. So <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. So, I had the advantage of knowing almost everybody in this company because yeah. at the time I was I was selling uh, bootleg DVDs. <laughs> okay, so I, I already knew everybody because they were buying movies, and I would tell them, "Hey, I'm a comedian now. I'm doing a show," and I would sell them tickets to the show. So huh. my first couple of shows, I would have 75 people come out, and they would pay ten dollars for the ticket. I would have to pay five dollars for the ticket from the uh, club owner yeah and i was able to start making cash just like that and honestly as soon as i hit the stage it's like i was meant for it i was naturally wow. naturally able to deliver um i just had a knack for it 
you know, and prior to it, I had a knack for it. But usually when people have that knack and they hit the stage, there's a disconnect. Something right. never works. Right. They they think they're funny off stage and then they hit the stage and boom, completely different. But for me, I felt comfortable. The first time I ever went on stage, I'll admit that I had I had that nervousness hit me after I got off. Wow. Yeah, it hit me after. Like after like I was shaking, smoking a cigarette, trying to calm down. Like yeah. the adrenaline. The adrenaline that it gave me. And that's kind of the rush that I'm searching for. Every time I hit the stage, especially like the bigger the crowd, the bigger the feeling. You probably went to at least some some open mic nights first, right? Yeah, I actually I did one open mic night. One open mic night before the first time I ever went on I went on stage. And by this time, like I, I I already thought of a couple of funny situations. And like you said, I would I would like say I, if I had a joke about movies, I would ask somebody in the audience, "Hey, what's your favorite movie?" And whatever they said, I would try to make fun of that. So yeah. it would add more time to what little material I did have. That's good. So it was like an ingenious way of, of, of expanding. So if I go up there with I was supposed to do um, eight, eight minutes, they say we only give people five. But since you brought so many, we're going to give you eight. And then I had everybody laughing. So I ended up doing like 15, 15, 17 minutes, my wow. first actual show. And this is like the second time I ever touched a stage. Now, I wasn't uh, 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 I have I have like at my job, I would train uh classes i would do that so i was never shy in front of people uh, and i think that ability just already being comfortable on stage just kind of helped out with everything i was saying and that, that and i got a funny face i mean i have big eyes and shit <laughs> they <laughs> see true. that i say thing, if, I, if i say thing the right way they'll laugh yeah that's a good point actually facial expressions i remember we talked about that at one yeah. point uh because you were sort of getting into doing movies a little bit that your yeah. your uh, manager was telling me that that facial expressions could sell you alone. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Jim Carrey, I think, is the most famous example of that. Yeah, he's outstanding <laughs> facial expressions. But th- <laughs> let me just get back to your first night out. Like, how much preparation had you done? Were you watching? Were you practicing in front of the mirror? Were you uh, just it, going it over was, your routine thousands of times, or did you just go was, up there and wing it? <laughs> it was it was about two weeks. Okay. I told them, hey, I want to do a show. And by this time, the club wasn't on me. I, I was a regular regular at, at this club. Like, literally every weekend I would be there. And the club the club owner knew me. He's like, are you sure you want to try this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to try it. And he's like, all right. And he snapped his fingers, told this guy, hey, sign him up for, for Tuesday. And that was two weeks away. So the very next open mic wow. they had, I went down there and I did that. Yeah. And then the whole time I'm telling everybody, hey, you know, I got $10 tickets. Come on out. Come on out. It's going to be my first time. And uh, and it was like literally the second time I touched stage. So the first time was an open mic. Second time was an actual show. And after they let me run that long, they they started uh, booking me more and more and more. Because obviously if I'm bringing that many people, they're going to want me there. There's videos where... They kept me on, or or they didn't let me go on until late because they wanted everybody there drinking and eating. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and there's videos where they let me on real late, and I was like, hey, look, listen, everybody here has to work tomorrow. Please let me on. They let me on. As soon as I got off, that room emptied out. 80 people walked away. The next comedian on stage is like, god damn, who was he? Mexican Moses? <laughs> like, everybody, <laughs> everybody left. <laughs> um i feel so like i had a lot of support i had a lot of support which is rare for a lot of people so that's where i got real lucky no doubt no i mean and i've, I've been a supporter of yours for a long time and i yeah. see i feel like so this is a real talk question here okay because when you're on stage you're you're lit up like you know you, you could see the happiness and the joy and it's you're a fish in water yeah, but usually when somebody has those kind of highs, then it, they, the lows can get lower. So this is the real talk question. Okay, let me put it this way: because I interviewed a wrestler a few weeks ago, and he talked about how playing his character would actually sort of send him into dark places on the downsides. So I can see that. Is this like what would happen to you? When you got too high, were the lows too low? Was it, is it difficult to deal with kind of the ups and downs of the industry? You, you know, you know what, you know what's odd. Um, it, it, the the out of the whole business, 
Like, it's really 10% that I'm searching for. 10% of it is a stage time. The rest of it is all the other bullshit that you got to deal with everybody else. Even life, right? Yeah. And and I, I had this knack to kind of just switch it off for this 10%. So there's been times where in my life I'm just, like, just going through hell. Right. Internally. And I'm not that person that usually speaks out about it either. But when I go on stage, I'm able to switch it off and even perform a little better. Because at this moment, I'm just kind of like, fuck it. And, and, and my my attitude is more real. The, the the way I express everything just comes out a whole lot better. So I've, I've, I've had that, that benefit. There has been a few times uh, where I canceled shows because shit is just too hard and I know I won't be funny. Yeah. So I can't do that, that service to people. But it, it's usually like within the week. And, and and then after about a week, like I'm I'm good to go again. I might not be fully healed, but I'm good to go again. And then I re- I picked up on what is it that I'm talking about? Like you brought up the the wrestler, for example, his character might be that dark person. So if my comedy is that dark comedy, which it was, a lot of it was in the beginning, not not really dark as in what I talked about, but but bad vibes, I should say. You know, because I was just kind of like, you know, fuck bitches and, and you know, like something like that. <laughs> yeah. Versus now I, I talk about it in a more a more different point of view. Like one of my favorite jokes is talking how, how men um, have to appreciate how they don't go through the same thing the women have to go through. Like we can wake up in the morning, wipe our eyes and we can go live our life like that's it. But not there. They have to put on all this makeup and I go into the makeup and I talk about all that stuff. So what I'm talking about to me, it's kind of like funny. It's light. So my attitude after that is the same. But when I did talk about something that would be bad, even if I didn't feel the negative energy, like my girlfriend at the time, she's like, hey, when you talked about relationships, you were pretty angry. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, yeah, but I wasn't really talking about you. And she's like, well, uh, girlfriend, I'm kind of the only one. So (laughs) tough to keep your personal life from leaking into it uh, when it's comedy, right? Yeah, it, it it really is. It really is. And and listening to those tapes, I mean, she had a point because I was like angry about <laughs> about it when I was talking about it. But now I talk about it like at a whole different uh, point of view. So the energy that I say comes off different. And she she had a point to another extent where some women were like, "You're angry." <laughs> <laughs> like they couldn't deny what I was saying because it was true, but they're like, "You're angry," <laughs> and I realized, you know what? If I can find a way to say it where everybody's kind of on board, which is fucking hard to do, especially in this day and age, right? Where if you say the wrong thing, your career can be over. Oh yeah, one oh yeah, phrase. yeah. Like times have changed, <laughs> dude. Like yeah. so, five years ago or so, I was on doing my Playboy radio show, and I. I can't remember how this little interaction started, but we were doing this little play skit with this girl, and basically I raped her on the air. <laughs> so, and look, I mean, people, it was play rape, okay? There was no actual raping. Course, there was course, no, yeah. our clothes were on, but the skit was hilarious. Everyone was laughing. It was so funny, except for that now, if you look at it under the same lens from today, it was oh, rape. Yeah. Rape is not funny. It's not yeah, funny yeah. at all if you Yeah, there's you... some people that, that, that just will not no matter what touch it. I heard I heard a comic explain it this way where he has a rape joke that was funny and he delivers it, he does it, everybody laughs. He got off stage and he's like, Hey, the rape joke worked. He goes, Yeah, it worked, but think about maybe ninety eight percent of them laugh their ass off, but you probably fucked up two people's lives <laughs> two people's nights, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you I can mean... think of it like that. And, and 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 as a society, we need to we need to accept that fact that whatever this person is saying is not who they are. I mean, they say this for this moment, and everybody attaches that to who they are, which I I, I have to disagree with, especially when it comes from somebody ten years ago, twenty years ago. Yes, exactly. This stuff with Kevin Hart uh, getting yeah. blamed for making gay jokes like Good twenty point. years yeah. ago. Come on! He, that, that was first. It's comedy. He was making a joke, and it was yeah. twenty years ago when that kind of comedy was acceptable. I just don't think you can hold mm-hmm. people responsible for jokes they made twenty years ago being held under today's standards. 
I mean, remember when they were putting uh, Japanese in, 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 in those uh, concentration camps? I bet you can get away with all kinds of chink jokes and nobody said no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. You know, back They did then... it in advertisements while Disney's done it in their movies. Like, you see some of the most racist stuff on that. Well, don't forget, I mean, Sam Kinison, hilarious stuff oh, yeah. back in the day of him making fun of Arabs working in the gas station. And... <laughs> Should we, you know, should we dig him up and kill him again or something? <laughs> like, like, I guess Anthony Jeselnik is the only guy that can get away with shit anymore, right? And that's because his entire act is just one Hitler joke after another. And, and so it's like, there is no, rape would be tame for him. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen him perform? Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. great. Yeah, I, yeah, I've seen him. He, he does go dark too. And I can say the same for uh, Doug Stanhope. Doug Sandhope is another one that's extremely raw, like just don't give a fuck, says whatever the hell he wants. He he actually had a bit, believe it or not, he had a bit where where he waited until the until the statute of limitation was was ran out so he can tell it. But he basically assisted his mom in her suicide. Oh shit. And he talks about that. Well, she had cancer. She was like in pain every day and just didn't yeah. want to be here no more. So he's like, all right, let's do it. So he talked about that night. And then it's fucking hilarious. Like, I can't even do it justice. But he said that they were fucking with her. Like, when she took all the pills, they were like, hey, mom, they found the cure. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's but think about, think about that. Think about how dark that moment is and for you to find the funny in it for you to go back to that moment and not not want to cut yourself but just want to laugh at at, at at what happened and yeah. and, and and dude that's such a hard situation i mean I, I think that's even more tougher than than rape but he made me laugh <laughs> you know on that shit it's funny because my mom makes jokes like that all the time when she's talking uh-huh. to me. Like, I mean, she's like, because my, my dog was paralyzed at one point earlier this year. And, you know, my mom kept saying to me, um, well, you know, it's good that in today's society we can just easily put a dog down when there's a situation like this. I'm like, what? Yeah. The dog is not, she can't move her back legs. That doesn't mean she, you put her down. You don't have down. to kill it. Yeah. You don't have to kill it. And then yeah. she was like... Yeah, I'm just saying, hypothetically speaking, that it's great that you can just kill the dog if you need to. And I'm like, Mom, how are you going to feel when I take the same approach to you and just say, hey, you know, Mom, being an 80 years old or so now, she does, she is walking a little bit funny, so let's go ahead and put her down. And she's well, like, oh, I, I will sign that paper right now. I said, I'm letting – she's like, I'm letting you know. It's the minute be- – that I that would be that would be hilarious, <laughs> hilarious. I can see you coming up with sheets, uh, accounting sheets, saying how much it costs for her to live. Every year you're alive, mom. You're costing me. <laughs> yes, although it's it's her that would come up with shit like that. That you That's know she would funny. be like, listen, here's why you should kill me because. <laughs> I've done the math on this, you know, like I'm used, she's like, I'm using, look at the food I'm eating and I've become unproductive to society. My mom is like Spock over there from Star Trek just going, well, look, Glenn, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. So go ahead and, uh, and you know, just take an ax to my head or something. Like, it's not even like she's like, would go for the humane solution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mom is like, so, so son, here's what I want you to do. Get a chainsaw. And uh, just yeah. attack me from behind. Just pick a knight. <laughs> I'm like, what? No, I'm not doing that, Mom. And I'm not killing my dog either, so. <laughs> that is uh, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yep. All right, well, enough jokes about killing my mom and other inappropriate jokes. We want to ask Julio more about his career. But first, we need to talk about Sex Panther. Sex Panther is pretty awesome. I got to tell you, it is your way of establishing a true relationship with your favorite adult entertainer what you do is you go to sexpanther.com you pick out your favorite entertainer or adult entertainer you get her phone number on there and then you text her and ask her questions or exchange pictures or talk on the phone or have a video call as well do a little video chatting with her and um 
they can text you back and you can get to know them in an intimate way that you would never be able to know them just through Twitter or social media. And it also gives you a way of supporting them because the performer can set her own rates for what they want to charge to text with you or to call you or send you videos or whatever. So go check it out. That's S-E-X-T-P-A-N-T-H-E-R.com. And also, if you're a performer... And you're not already on Sex Panther, what are you waiting for? This is the best way for you to be able to talk to your fans and really give them an opportunity to support you and get to know your fans and build fans for life. So if you're a performer, again, go sign up for Sex Panther. And if you are a, uh, a fan, then go to Sex Panther. Everyone, go to sexpanther.com. That's S E X T P A N T H E R.com. All right, so getting back to your career here. So (laughs) how did you make this jump all of a sudden from, you know, in the beginning you're making like, what, 50 bucks a night? And then all of a sudden you started playing some big shows. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what? I never let go of the day job. In fact, I opened up a few more companies through the uh, sales of T-shirts. I would sell uh, T-shirts at the shows, and I would use that money to, to – I now have, like, a photo booth business. I have a print shop uh, where I do my own T-shirts and stickers and banners and all kinds of things. So just business-wise, I've, I've kind of always been savvy since I was young. So even if I was making – or even if I wasn't selling shirts, like, I would find a way to, to invest it and flip it and, you know, get more out of it. Yeah. Yeah, so the photo, was, show, the photo booth thing was a cool thing, cool gig. You still doing that? So, how many photo uh, yeah. booths you got now? I got two now, actually. So I got two. We we offer like a full size um, setup booth where it's enclosed. You stand inside. There's a screen on the outside. Shows you all the pictures on the inside. And then we have a second one that's like an open air photo booth. So more people can fit. It's a more lower cost because sometimes people can't afford the big one. Yeah. But um, both of them work great. I got new programs for it. I'm kind of updating everything as I go with every show, buying new props, new hats, uh, new lights, all kinds of things. Just kind of reinvest into the business. I, I've I've been lucky because when I first started this business, I had people um, uh, just not work out. You know, everybody that I hire does not work out. Yes, employees and, and I remember, is like the toughest thing. <laughs> I've yeah, never been good at that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was always hard. It's always hard to work with somebody, period. And then especially somebody you don't know, somebody you got to trust. And and um, that always grew to be a challenge. And people will warn me about it. They're like, oh, don't start the business because there's going to be trouble with this and with this and with this. But to tell you the truth, all the trouble I went through is worth all the money I made. Yeah, yeah. Well, pimp this real quick here. Tell people – so let, let me just explain real quick. Mm. If you live in Los Angeles you and you're having a party and uh, you want to have a photo booth at the party where people can pop in and have photos taken and printed, just like you see at the arcade, you talk to Julio here. So where do they go to get oh, yeah. rent this service from you? Yeah, you can actually hit me up through my website with my comedy, subway.com. That's S-U-P-W-E-Y.com. And I have a link for the City Lights photo booth on there. Uh, I have the prices listed up for them. Or you can hit me up, send me an email, ask me if we're available that day, and I'll let you know. But the booth is amazing. It comes with unlimited pictures all night for the whole night we're there. You get as many as you want. Uh, more extra copies, plus then a USB thumb drive with all the copies of the pictures taken that night. We have uh, props set up that you can try on, different glasses, hats, all kinds of stuff. Uh, And you also have a t-shirt printing business now? You got your own printer? T-shirt printing business as well. Yeah, we have our own printer. We just actually invested in a uh, a fully automatic uh, printing press. Oh, wow. We need to talk. We need some shirts made, actually. This is good. Oh yeah, we'll talk yeah, about yeah. that we, off, we, offline. We got here. you, man. Okay, yeah, we cool. got you. This is this is a beautiful machine, and then we have the uh, a latex printer, where we can do the banners, eight by ten banner stands, all kinds of things. So, so just get to understand. So you start doing these big shows, but when you start doing the big shows, do you have to clean up your act a little bit so, when you're in front of a bigger audience, or or do you just can you be the dirty comedian that you want to be? <clears throat> <laughs> I actually toggle between both. I realized mm-hmm. if I didn't do clean comedy, I would limit my money. Mm-hmm. And dude, I've I've gotten paid way more doing clean comedy. I've I've done comedy for like um, 
it was a, a corporate event with the um Oh, I want to get the right bank. I, I want to say Chase, but it could have been Bank of America. <laughs> I want to say Chase, but it was their Latino executives, and they all did like this uh, confrontation th- uh, conference thing, and they had me perform like 15 minutes of comedy. Pay was $250. Okay. 15 minutes clean comedy. Okay. Now, I've yeah. done dirty shows where I'm doing 45 minutes and the pay's 50 bucks. Yeah. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, like, this I, is a good I, gig. I kinda, You're like, I don't want to screw this up. Exactly. I, I, I gravitated to be able to give these people whatever they want. So there is that issue for other comics where the club is like, hey, this show's clean. And and they're like, whoa, I don't know if I can do that, Howard. Or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there is issues right. for other comics. But for me, luckily, hell no. I'll write, I'll write clean first and then make it dirty. Yes. That that is such a simple way to have uh, two sets worth of material. But when you're up on stage um, and you're you're used to just doing your act, but there's like this mm-hmm. limiter that's on your head that's going like, hey, hey, there's kids, there's family out there, you know, yeah, big sign know from do? a you know religious organization <laughs> hanging above. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I slow it down. I talk slower. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to do that slip. There's been a couple times where I'd started the word, and I would be like, "Are you f- serious?" <laughs> <laughs> but I've always been able to catch myself. Luckily, I've never had a slip, man. And and and, and sometimes you psych yourself out. You're like, "Don't cuss, don't cuss." And when you get up there, all you do is, "Well, you want to cuss." <laughs> Uh, I was talking on the phone yesterday to this girl. She she was a porn star many years ago, and she's this wonderful family person now. She's a mom and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. so I'm talking to her, and she was like, yeah, you know, I've thought about getting back into the business now that my kids are older. And, and, uh, and I was like – I said to her, you know – you have options these days. There are ways to be in the porn industry through like doing OnlyFans and these other things without sucking dick for a living, which to me is just a regular yeah. phrase to use. And yeah. there's like this silence on the line. And then she goes, <laughs> so you're not really capable of having like grown-up conversations, are you? <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, actually, now that you mention it, no. I've worked in the porn industry for like 18 years now. Yeah, yeah, and I'm lucky to not embarrass myself in the grocery store line by opening my phone up to porn playing really loudly. <laughs> and that's not even audition tapes. That's just the recreational stuff, right? That's, that's all that's on my phone. I mean, when you're in porn, like all your websites you go to on a regular basis, uh, you know, it's if anybody ever grabs my phone from me and starts thumbing through the browser history – it's oh, just ridiculous it. because, yeah, you're, <laughs> when you work in the porn industry, you're not stopping at missionary sex positions. That's like handshaking. Oh, no. Yeah, that's, that's what the British call vanilla. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm looking for stuff that's – got to hit every fetish that's part of mine. It's like the, I've got to have interracial Asian cuckolding with female <laughs> cuckolds and a little bit of bestiality thrown in or something. Just kidding on the bestiality part, people. But, <laughs> you know, like it's got to it's, it's gotta be special, which, again, doesn't play so well when you open up the phone in, in, the, uh, in, the, grocery in the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all right, so you start, you start doing clean comedy um, when, you know, f- for the right opportunities. Oh, yeah. I want to ask you about your charity work because I think it's really cool what oh. you've always done about that. But first, I need to tell people about our amazing sponsors. All right. I got to tell my listeners about Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com is wonderful, and I can tell you that because I am a customer of BlueChew.com. BlueChew is the world's first chewable erectile dysfunction supplement that includes the same active ingredients, the real stuff that you find in Viagra and Cialis. It is prescribed by a doctor online, so all you got to do, Julio, is you just go to the... You go to the website because I, I'm not suggesting that you have erectile dysfunction problems, Julio, but you're a man like myself. Hey, I'm a man with a sense of humor, so that means even if everything's working right, I'm still going to get some free chewable... <laughs> Yes. Yeah, exactly. Go get this stuff. But also think of it as an insurance policy for yourself. You're a virile fella. You're a guy who's going to have no problem getting an erection. But do you want the thought in the back of your head that, hey, what if? What if I've gone to the trouble? What if you're in a threesome? 
Yes. And the first the first woman got satisfied and you have nothing left. You can chew this thing. Yes. And get back in the game. And let me I, point I'm, out I'm like ten steps ahead of you. I got you. I already worked out the scenario in my head. I'm like, this is gonna be my parachute. What if Julio, you're a threesome and you got into this thing because one of the girls is smoking hot and she's your dream girl and the other girl not attractive. But you're Ooh. doing it because you got it's a twofer. You, you know, like it's yet, a package yet deal. Yet another scenario. <laughs> yes. So you're sitting there and you're going like, I think I can stay wrecked, but then you look at the other girl and it she smelled bad. <laughs> That's what would do it for me. Like if the other girl smelled bad, I'd be like, there's no way that I can remain yeah. erect, even if my fantasy girl, you know, let's just say C.J. Miles real quickly. You know who C.J. Miles is? <laughs> She's the perfect – you've got to look her up. She's If you designed a little Asian in a laboratory, that's what it would be is C.J. Miles. That's the perfect <laughs> So I know I could get it up for C.J. Miles, but if C.J. was like, but you need to you, – you know, my friend here is with me. That would be what <laughs> So this is where Bluetooth. Funny. When she stinks, then you need to finish. Yes. So this is where Bluetooth comes <laughs> into play. It works. There's so, a few taglines for this, people. They're, they're miracle workers. That's what they are. That's what no, they are. They're saints. That's what they need to be labeled as. They're problem solvers because you have a problem in a situation like that. They have a solution. And you do not have to go. So let's say you're in the middle of that. <laughs> you don't have time to go to your doctor. So Right. You don't got time to crunch on a pill. You want something chewable in this moment. Exactly. So they don't know what's going on. <laughs> so you don't have time to go to the doctor. So you go online. You fill out a little box and you say, I'm having a threesome right now, but I'm having erectile dysfunction problems. A doctor reviews it and then writes you a prescription <laughs> and sends you. So then they just mail it to your home. Uh, I've got mine. Uh, yeah, here it is. So <laughs> the doctor reviews it. <laughs> yeah, doctor reviews it. It's like oh, it's like one little box. So I've got it. Uh, it just says on here Empower Pharmacy. So nobody knows what you're getting. It's a very discreet package. Comes to your home. Then they taste like Pez. So here's the thing, Julio. Like sometimes if I'm really hungry in the house and I, I'm terrible about <laughs> st- stocking up food. Sometimes I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to have a Cialis here just so I get some kind of chewy candy in my mouth. And that, as a result, I have way more erections than a 50-year-old man should. <laughs> uh, but so there you go. That's how that works. And so for my listeners, you get we have a special deal set up that I ex- fully expect you to take advantage of, Julio. You use the promo code ADULT, A-D-U-L-T, and they will give you your first order for free. So you got to pay $5 for shipping. Man, uh, I'm going to order some definitely and probably have a comedy routine within a few months. <laughs> Very good. So go to BlueChew.com. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Use the promo code ADULT. Get your first order of chewable erectile dysfunction foods. And by the way, because they're chewable, I, I forgot to mention this earlier, Julio, it, it hits you like twice as fast. This is science. <laughs> so how much time do you have to wait? Like 20 minutes or so instead of the wow. 40 minutes. Yeah. So with so you know the difference between Cialis and Viagra? No. So so, yeah, so I'm going to educate you here. So the, oh, yeah. Cialis is for when you've got a girl that's staying with you for like two or three days and you know you need to be able to ready to perform on demand for like a 48-hour period. Okay. And so it doesn't it doesn't keep your dick hard for 48 hours straight. Ah, okay. You need to you need to be able to get in the right headset and give it a little he- a little push, you know, a little start you. to it and then it, it comes to life. Viagra when you're ready to go I'll, I'll get the pumps going. Exactly. Right. You have to prime the pump. Viagra is for when you need it right now or 40 minutes from now or with Blue Chew 20 minutes from now. It's like you know oh. you're already at the – you've already had dinner with the girl. Things have gone well. You're like, yes, I'm getting <laughs> laid. You take the pill and then your dick is already hard when she takes your pants off, which See, they the, love. The faster it works, the less you got to worry about jumping the gun. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Because well, if it took a few hours yep. and something happened where she had to leave, now what are you going to do? Julio, <laughs> if, you, if you give me two hours to work with, I will screw up every <laughs> opportunity. I literally was in bed with a girl two weeks ago, and she says to me uh, – I don't even know what her exact words were, but the word dating was part of her sentence – 
<laughs> so it was something like, you know, well, you and I could be dating. And then she looked at me and stared at me. And mind you, uh, I take a lot of drugs. So, you know, like I don't want to <laughs> give any secrets out to people here, but I don't like alcohol very much. So, uh-huh. you know, and, and if anybody gives me a pill of any kind, I take it. So I was <laughs> I was high and I was on a mix of three or four different things. And so she says the dating line and then she looks at me expectantly. And so I'm sitting there just thinking to myself, what is the right answer that keeps me in bed here? Let's think through this carefully. Let's not make the wrong – let's not screw it up like we always do and say the wrong thing. So I go, hmm, uh, and that's – that I blew it. That was your move. My move, I was thinking I was going to say something. I was actually computing in my mind – how we can make a relationship between me and her work. I love this girl. And so, I, I, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, dating. So dating's a little complicated, but you see, you... But that's not what you do, Julio. Because by that time, once you've hesitated, the game is over. And she goes, oh, yeah. you answered already. I go, no, 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 yeah. I'm working on my answer. She goes, no, no, no. Your hesitation is all I needed. You yeah. go. Just go. And I'm like, but go? What do you mean go? Like, yeah, you already answered the question. I'm like, no, no. It's like, and that's it. So my point is, if you're in that situation, <laughs> I don't know what my point is anymore. But if you're in that no, situation, that if you had two hours, that yeah. might happen. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I was saying. Is that given? T- I I always say the wrong thing, and the more time you have, the more chance they're going to hit you with a got you question like that. Yep. Yep. Like they'll ask you, hey, when was the last time that you were with another woman? And I'm going to get that wrong every single time. And don't tell oh, me honesty is the best answer because that's wrong. No, especially when you work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, well, with, with, with what I do for a living, there's no, yeah. 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 It's always going to be yesterday, basically. But Basically. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good shirt. <laughs> yeah. The last time you had sex. It's always going to be yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, bluechew.com. To wrap that up, bluechew.com is where you go. That's B L U E C H E W.com. Promo code adult. Go get yourself some free bluechew and then send me a thank you on Twitter. My Twitter is Glenn King with two N's XXX. Glenn King XXX. Okay, so now we're going to ask Julio about all the great work he does for charity. But first, I need to tell you about Savage Sin Clothing. Savage Sin Clothing is created from the collision of two worlds, MMA and Triple X. We get real, raw, and wild with our range of unique apparel, including men's and women's clothing, accessories, and more. Instead of offering the same old cookie-cutter dull products, they go the distance, giving you the most savage and sinful lifestyle choices. So personally, I recommend Savage Sin Clothing. I'll tell you why. Because I need help picking out cool contemporary clothing. Savage Sin Clothing has all the everything that you could possibly want in terms of stuff that you can wear to the mall, stuff that you can wear to the gym, just great clothing. So go check them out. Browse through the Savage Sin website. They've just got all new, uh, an all-new website that you will really enjoy looking at. They've got everything from t-shirts to tank tops to bikinis. And I'm going to make this a no-brainer for you, just like we always do. You can use my promo code, KINGSIN, K-I-N-G-S-I-N. You will get 40% off your order. 40% off your order. Did you hear that? Let me say that one more time. 40% off your order, plus free shipping. So you want to get this before he changes his mind and takes this order off the table. So go right now to Savage Sin Clothing. That's S-A-V-A-G-E-S-I-N clothing.com okay let's talk about your charity work here because this is really cool all right when did that start yeah so i I hit like this midlife crisis i went through a breakup at the time it's like about seven seven uh, eight years ago right so i was like you know what i need to change my life and what I actually did was, I don't know if you ever heard of, like, you know that horoscope bullshit? Yeah. Uh, they got this thing called the uh, 12, 12 Houses or something where they got to know where you were born, what time you were born, and all this stuff. So eventually they give me this report of my personality. 
And I'm looking at it. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to combat against everything this thing says that I feel is negative. One of the things that said that I was a selfish person. I was like, what's one thing that that nobody can deny that I can do that people be like, no, he's not selfish. Yeah. So that was the charity work. I was like, okay, so these people are coming to see me anyway. At the time, this is how Hollywood comedy works is we don't even fucking charge you for the tickets most of the time. We're like, just show up and drink. That's how the club uh, pays you your money. I so this. I was like, yeah. instead of giving away a free ticket, I'm going to tell these people, bring something to come in because I'm definitely worth something, period. You know, I'm worth more than the free ticket. Like I go out of state and that's where I really get get more respect than I do in my own city. Sometimes I'll go out of state and I'll get people to pay twenty five dollars to see me or fifteen dollars to see me because it's different out there. But in your own city, sometimes not like that. But I still had a following. I still had a bunch of people. So when we mixed it in with the charity work, um, friend of mine kind of gave me the push is like, hey, you should do a charity show. Call it uh, DTF. Uh, donating to families. Oh, yes. That's what so, it's for. Yes, so that's what I'm I was like, thinking. that's beautiful. Everyone's going to see DTF. They're yeah. going to think down the fuck, but it's yes. donating to families. So yes. it was it was great. So that's how the first show got started. And we did the first shows. We went out to a company and we asked them, hey, what is it you guys need? What is it that, that, you're, that you're lacking? And we actually found um, uh, Fullerton College had a, boot, a food bank. And what happened is the director running it passed away and their food bank was running empty because nobody on the staff was able to run that. She was the only one pushing everything. So when that happened, we kind of stepped in there with about three to four shows and we were donating like 300, 400 cans of food every show. Wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah, we were able to help out a lot. There's a lot of homeless students that actually go to that school, and I had no idea that was even an issue. So changing my ways kind of opened me up to what's going on around. And then I saw this great documentary called I Am. Yeah. They kind of they just said, <clears throat> when it comes to helping people, you can't be neutral on a moving train. You're either with it or you're not. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. like either you're helping or you're a part of the problem. So making that transition to, to, to helping. And it wasn't even like it was just whatever my fans would bring. I would take money uh, made from the show and buy more cans and, and, and donate myself. I would always go to the 99 cents store and just yeah. stock up on like peanut butter. We did a show one time where we asked for peanut butter because we were trying to help out their homeless division at another company called MEND, which stands for Meeting Every Need with Dignity. Yeah, and their their company is amazing. I actually um, had a good, good, good year where I, I did a real estate investment uh, deal and made some great money, and I was able to donate uh, uh, about five thousand to them, where they were able to start uh, 19, 19, uh, 19 gardens, and they had uh, families that were running it. So they have like a garden share program, mm-hmm. where one family will grow apples, another family grows oranges, and they all share. That's awesome. You yeah, know, I, yeah. I, I met this dude a couple weeks ago um, who is like a Zen Buddhist philosopher dude of some sort. It's hard to explain. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we just had this – we were at this dinner together. And so I just happened to be sitting next to him and he was asking me about being in porn and if, if I have regrets, if I ever think, does God, you know, look down upon me? And I said – no, I don't I don't worry about God being mad at me for doing porn. I worry about God being mad at me for the things that I did before porn, you know, where I was a mean person. <laughs> to you know, growing up I was a mean kid. I always thought I was the little kid that was being bullied, and in a lot of ways I was the bully. And I told him uh-huh. this, and he has been sending me literature and material since then to help guide me through that. And one of the things he pointed me to – there's a point to this – is that <laughs> um, is that he said, so you believe in a god who is like millions of years old, all omniscient, all powerful, and you think he spends all his time like working out punishments for people and, and <laughs> spending his all his time hating on the bad things that you've done in your life? Right. And like – yeah, that doesn't sound right, does it? It's like, no, God 
wants you to be the best person you can be. That's what he wants to see. If he is truly the all-knowing, omniscient, benevolent God that we believe in, he just wants people to be at their best, is his theory. And I'm like, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. So it makes sense that rather than like coming up with some letter of apology to everybody you've wronged in the past, you got to come up with ways to be a good person in the future. That's all there is to it, right? So that's yeah. you out there. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's how that's how you inspire others, I think. Because at first there was a lot of people like, why why are you doing a, a, a charity? Show? You know, you should do the charity shows on on Thanksgiving or on Christmas. I'm like, why why make it a one time a year thing? Like, why not every show? You know, because nobody's paying to see me. Uh, another show that we did was socks. You know, told people just go out buy a pair of socks. It's like five bucks or something. And and you buy six pairs and you get six people in for free. That's beautiful. you know you help out you help out somebody else. I make you laugh. It's like win win for everybody. And and through the through the years we've done over two tons of food, um, like five hundred five hundred uh, t shirts uh, over over another five hundred pairs of jeans. Like anything they needed, we were just getting it and putting it together. The only thing that I miss, because I haven't done one of those charity shows in a long time. Lately yeah. now, mm-hmm. I'm just doing shows where people are booking me. Mm-hmm. So the charity shows are the ones that I produced. And when you produce a show, man, that comes with so much headaches. Well, I got to tell you, you're a producer too. But that, yeah, that comes with so much headaches. And on top of that, <sighs> you still have to perform, right? You have to turn everything off and still give like a hundred percent so i've been slowing down on the charity shows i'm glad you brought that up because that's something i do want to get back to i would say it's been two years since the last one yeah yeah well yeah let me know when you're gonna do it i won't come but just saying yeah <laughs> i'll make it in vegas we'll do it in vegas <laughs> oh if it's one, vegas right? i'll come i just don't want we'll to reach go back out to, to the LA. industry see how many industry people want to come out and laugh the, the whole industry's coming here we'll, we'll oh, all be yeah. happy to see you at some point well, look, you know, it's hard to believe we this time is going so fast, but we're we only have a few minutes left in the show. So oh, now man. I gotta, I got. So remember the old days? I would have you on the Playboy show or one of my other shows, yeah. <laughs> and then you'd be my uh, my Latino correspondent, giving me the yeah. updates on everything. So, so I gotta ask you some questions now about to get the Latino perspective because I don't get the Latino perspective most of the time. Donald Trump is he the greatest yeah. thing that ever happened to comedy for starters? You know what? I'm probably a bad person to ask this because I don't even touch politics. And honestly, I don't because I don't pay attention. I, I just found out that the, the impeachment thing a few days ago because of Facebook post. Oh, wow. Yeah, you are yeah, kind of sleeping that's at the what, wheel that's here. What, that's what my coworker said. I'm like, hey, did you hear about Trump's impeachment? They're like, where you been? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of an ongoing thing there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You pay attention yeah, to that. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not a – just so people understand that are listening to the show, I'm that wishy-washy guy that the polls talk about when they're like, how can somebody go back and forth on this stuff at this point? By now, you should have chosen a candidate. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I just need more time to evaluate. I truly am independent, and I could vote either anyway. So if I make fun of Trump here, it's not that I'm a Trump hater or Trump lover or whatever. But I just think he's – funny at times right like i was listening to him oh, today yeah. one mean, of the things that mannerisms that that are comical to begin with because because he, he he oh man he keeps saying how great it's gonna be without any detail on how he's gonna do things it's gonna be the like, greatest that's not, ever yeah that's not making fun of him that's just picking out an actual like tick that he has like he does that that's gonna be great it's gonna be so great we're gonna be winning so much like he in, in no detail absolutely no, no, detail. no. you can have the greatest health care that's ever been known to man really and people are like yeah that sounds great because I, I remember at the time i was like that's awesome my health care sucks i pay like 600 dollars yeah. a month for it so well, how does this Some work people, again that's all you need he goes well need. it works way better than what you're currently getting oh well okay then that's great i mean the best part is and he probably hates the fact that there's video of this but the best part is you can you can watch uh him state one thing and then a few weeks later state something else exactly. and then it slowly changes and it morphs into something completely different what do you mean like a few Mexico weeks later he can do it wall. like five minutes and then 10 minutes later he says the exact opposite yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he says words like he invented them constantly. Yeah, we're going to put up this thing at the border that I like to call a wall. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's the word that I use for it. Like what? Yeah, everyone uses the word wall. Come on, man. Well, we've got we're taking action in Syria with what I like to call the military. Oh. What 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 sucks is what sucks is that I do know some families that that have been kind of ripped apart because the uh, uh, business owners in the family or, or somebody that they kind of just um, uh, deals well more corporation are more republic than anything. Yeah. And then the ones that don't, the employees are usually more Democrat. That's not the case 100 percent of the time. But that's that's usually the case when I see these families kind of go through shit when they're like, yeah, get Trump so he can be better. And the other ones are like, no, fuck that. Fuck him. <laughs> Yeah, that's tough when you, when you see that going on because people are so passionate about one side or the other. Like, they are, I'm they not. Are. I don't. You, you, can, know, like, you can almost compare it to like football. Yes. Look at how many people are there, like diehard fans that, that if you say something, they will stab you. The Raiders are the perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's, there's people that are Trump fans just like there are people that are Raider fans, you know, so – it doesn't matter what you're talking about at that point. It's just a disease that's attached to something you really have no link to. Sorry, guys. So we got a little sidetracked for a second with some technical <laughs> difficulties. Uh, but technical Julio... difficulties, yeah. That's right. So I was going to ask Julio with the last few minutes before we start letting him plug all his upcoming appearances <laughs> to explain to me how the Latino community handles it when right before every election or every time they need to distract people, they go... Yeah, you know, the thing that you need to be concerned about right now is the caravans, caravans of Mexicans coming here, and they're bringing smallpox. Like, that has to... <laughs> doesn't that have to make things a little uncomfortable in the Latino community? It's, it's, you know what, it's funny that nobody notices it's the same routine being used over and over and over and over and over again. Yes. I mean, remember the Zoot Suit riots? Yes. You know, Latinos were the problems back then. Anybody with the Zoot Suit, all the sailors got into fights and beat them all up. And it's just the go-to. It's the go-to. Politicians' old, oldest trick in the book. It's, hey, blame it on this race. I think Hitler was the best one at it. But there's a lot of people that are trying to do the same thing and make it sound like it's reasonable. Don't you feel like, though, that they because they're just repeating the same things over and over again, that they try to make it more extreme each time. So, like, it started with, if you bring in the Mexicans, they will bring in their drug dealers and rapists. Your daughters will not be safe. And then people were like, you know what? Uh, my daughter is actually pretty safe. I don't think this is working. So, they're like, okay, but what about plagues? They bring plagues with them. <laughs> and then the next... And, and then there was somebody that knew somebody... That that happened to, or that happened to them, and everybody they knew, they made sure they they felt the same way Trump did, and that's what <laughs> brought in the fight, man. Because, like, I, I trip out on what people consider a priority in this country half the time. If you look at the numbers, I think people don't really die that much from terrorists as much as they do from car accidents. So, if you really want to solve the problem of people dying, if that's the real solution, then you will go after car companies and safety on roads more right. than you would terrorists. But we don't care about how many people are dying. We care about who's the one killing us, I guess. That's more important. Yeah. <laughs> if it's Ford, we're fine with it. But if it's Habib, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe, you, you know, like it's always been the funniest thing to me that marijuana is illegal and alcohol is legal. Although that's changing now. But like, Oh, yeah. Where's, where's somebody running some analyses on that and going like, which one's killing a lot more people? And the, and that's the that's the part where you got to think: Are we that dumb, or do they already know and they just don't want to say anything? Yeah. Okay. That's All when right. that's when CIA starts following you. That's when the FBI <laughs> comes after you. So we won't touch that right here. <laughs> We've already broken so many boundaries on this show over here. It'll be interesting to see if I don't get kicked off of this, but I that's okay. Um. Uh, <laughs> Nobody can kick me off. It's freaking podcast. You can do whatever you want on a podcast. That's what so we much... love about podcasts is free speech, man. This is the revolution right here. This is why new ideas are coming into play. This is the uh, age of Aquarius, man. That's information right there. And it's because of things like this we're able to reach so many people. Yeah, isn't it great? And there's no rules. I mean, it's just so different from Playboy. You know, as I, when I was at Playboy, there was one incident where they had somebody uh, having sex on the air 
And they, oh yeah, <laughs> for that one. So then they go, "Hey, Glenn, we're just wondering, uh, have you had sex on the air?" And I'm like, "In what way?" Because if you if you listen to my shows, that we were having sex on the air, but that was theater of the mind, ninety eight percent of the time. So <laughs> they were like. Well, uh, just so you know, they said the lawyers are now going through every single picture that's ever gone on the internet from your show, so we're paying by the hour for this, so if you have something you want to tell us, then just go ahead and tell us right now. And I was like, uh, you go right ahead. You're not going to find a picture from the show of me having (laughs) doing anything naughty on the air. That's okay. If that's all we're worried about, then we're good. Yeah, as long as they don't listen. Yes, yeah, just don't listen to the show and don't – I mean, you know, thank God there's no hidden cameras or and don't interview any witnesses or anything like that. But yeah, yeah I with agree, the though. To your point, that's crazy that they would scrutinize that or they would want – wouldn't want that on there. Well, I guess disease-wise, that was the issue, wasn't it? <laughs> it was legal stuff that yeah. was the issue, uh, you know, because the, the thing is is that the porn star that complained – about the sex being had on the air was a porn star who had sex every day on different sets. You know, yeah. so it's like the argument that I can't be in a in a work environment where somebody had sex is pretty <laughs> – doesn't make sense. That, that goes to my old jokes about porn. <laughs> well, tell them. So tell one or two of them real quick here. I always compared them to regular companies. I say, so does porn <laughs> – does uh, porn companies, do they have HR? Like if the director yells cut and the guy goes for two more pumps, is that sexual harassment now? <laughs> yes. Did you file the report? <laughs> well, you were making those jokes five years ago, but now porn has become Me Too like everybody else. Oh, that's crazy. We can have a whole conversation on that. I think next podcast I'll interview you because I got some questions. I have to be so careful on set. Like I really never want anyone – to walk out and say, yeah, Glenn was hitting on me on set. Oh, you yeah, that's that. crazy. That's so weird because you're about to have sex. Yes. That's <laughs> crazy. That's why I always thought it was funny. But, yeah, that was like it would always get laughs. Like, does porn have HR? The other one was, can a girl call in sick? Like, <laughs> she tells the director, hey, the doctor said I should stay in bed all day. He'd be like, what do you think you were going to do here? <laughs> <laughs> we're coming yeah. over <laughs> this isn't this isn't strenuous activity here you know, <laughs> right <laughs> you don't need to it's i'd certainly i've had girls before they go like oh i got bad news man i broke my leg last night i can't perform today i'm like that's not gonna stop you what's what's the problem <laughs> we'll just wheel you right up to the bed and dump you right off the wheelchair onto the bed and you're good to go you don't need to be walking around for this scene and then the last joke was the one – there's a lot of crazy stuff out there in porn. There's like crazy things. But the one thing I've never seen, I've never seen in my whole life is the credits. <laughs> I never made it that far, man. Why do I make credits? I don't know. I've never why seen we... the credits. I've never asked myself, who shot this? Who, who held that camera? Who was that makeup artist? Very good makeup. Right? Who did the lighting on this? Because if, if I didn't see that nipple shadow, no way I would have finished. <laughs> like, why do I make credits? I don't know. You got a point there. <laughs> I think every credit in porn should start with, who's really watching this? <laughs> and, then, and then list everything. I may as well list out like my bank account numbers, and I mean, it's like not like anybody's <laughs> yeah, gonna you see can it. Put your social identity on there, <laughs> and it still won't get stolen. Like, so crazy. Your home address, yeah, everything. Who cares? All right, you got to pimp your upcoming performances. This podcast isn't going up until like a, uh, two weeks from tomorrow. So, oh, okay. so don't, yeah. you may as well not mention the ones coming up in the next two weeks. But if you got any bookings after that. Talk to you. us. Yeah, uh, everybody out here can hit, can hit up uh, subway.com and I list all my shows on there. On social media, you can find me under OG Comedy. The letter O, the letter G, and then Comedy. That'll be on Instagram. I'm mostly on that. Um, Snapchat on that one, too. I rarely use that. And even Twitter, I rarely use that one, too. I used to use that when, when I would wait out to the porn stars a lot more, man. They love Twitter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
you but, uh, uh, most of the time I actually communicate with people. If I haven't talked to a girl in more than a year, I go straight to Twitter because I know she's on there. Her phone number yeah. could have changed ten times, but her yeah, Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, all right, everybody, did, was that all your social medias, or do you want to advertise your <clears throat> companies too? I know you got twenty different little businesses going. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're all through the website. I got links okay. on there. So Subway.com is the one uh, go-to place you can reach for me. I got my merchandise on there, too, the Subway shirts, the uh, hats, the hoodies, the bobbleheads, stickers. I got all kinds of things on there you guys can get, show your support. I appreciate that. Anybody that orders a T-shirt, mention Glenn, and I'll throw in some extra stickers for you, too. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So – this has been and a great if, podcast. And if I get them, if I get them, I'll throw in some chewables. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking. Okay. This has been a great. This has been the most fun I've had on a podcast ever. I forgot how much fun we had doing these things, Julio. Will you commit okay. now to coming back on this podcast sometime within the next couple of months? I think we have a lot more to talk about. Yeah, man. You know what? I'll, I'll give you homework of uh, picking up some little subjects, and we'll do the corresponding thing, man. Because I love. I love just riffing off the things that, that, you know, we can poke fun of. Look at Florida, man. We can do a whole segment on Florida and all the crazy stuff that happens out there. Each day of the week. <laughs> we can yeah, pick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any... You know we can do? Yeah, we can do one podcast, <laughs> come up with 30 different stories, and you just throw me at the end. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just a reminder, everybody, that we have a new Twitter for the podcast. It's like M A M podcast in the number one, so M A M podcast one. You know, it stands for mature audiences. Mayhem podcast. I think we've only got like about four hundred followers right now, so we need you people to get on there, follow us. You know, there are people like Julio who are Twitter snobs who you yeah. call him up and you say, "Hey, old friend, will you come on the show?" And he'll be like, "Let me just hold on a minute." Yeah. Oh. 400 followers i can't i don't see where this is worth my time <laughs> let me know when you've got some serious social media following so exactly i hate it when people do that <laughs> I, I need all you people <laughs> to follow us at mam podcast one so there you go everybody thank you so much for listening and thank you julio gonzalez thank you man thank you man <laughs>